are continuing our sermon series called The Covenant. We're, we're primarily going to be reading out of Genesis chapter 26, but we're going to pray today. And actually what I want to do is, I've got a good friend of mine who is actually a pastor who sends this incredible text message uh, to my wife and I every Sunday. And I actually want to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray that blessing and prayer over you before we go into the Word, because this is just, I read it and I get stoked. So let's pray. Blessings, I'm praying for you this morning that you awaken to the beautiful mercies and graces of our good God. Today is a day of celebration as heaven is ready to throw thousands upon thousands of parties as men, women, boys, and girls come to faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. You've been called to this beloved to point people to the Lord, the Savior of the world. Your obedience matters. So stay focused today. Listen to his voice. And in doing so, take fight to the devil with the Holy Spirit helping you. God intends to use you today in some form or fashion, whether that's to preach, lead, serve, and if it is serve, serve well. Look for those moments when the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you and those around you. Let's make Christ Jesus proud by caring for a sheep that he has entrusted to us. What an honor and a privilege it is to be at the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus. Go out there, have fun doing what you were called to do, anointed, prepared, and equipped to, for real. Hashtag winning. In the name of Jesus. Because that's what we're called to. We're called to win. It's been won for us. How many times have we ever felt discouraged, frustrated, defeated? A lot. And so I think it's just very, very important to us. And the scripture tells us over and over and over and over again that, that we are to... Uh, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another in the faith, because this thing gets discouraging. We're going to continue in the covenant. Pastor Joy preached an awesome message on Abraham. And as we're continuing on, what do you think today is going to be about? Not Abraham, but Isaac. Very good, Isaac. So the title of this message is called God's Promise to Isaac. God's promise to Isaac. And if you look up the word covenant, it's a big formal word. What actually just means to enter into a formal agreement, to stipulate, to bind oneself by contract. In the Hebrew, that word actually means treaty, compact, agreement between two parties. But this is what's interesting in that word covenant. It says to bind oneself. And so when God is making covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and when God has made covenant with us, he is actually binding himself to you. He's binding himself to me. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible that the God of the universe will bind himself in covenant relationship with you. Wow. Look at your neighbor and say, wow. 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 That's just awesome. All right. As we're going into Isaac, I want to kind of take a step back. Uh, of and kind of the origins of Isaac. And so in Genesis chapter 17, God is telling Abraham, at that good old ripe age, buddy, you're going to have a son. And let's see what the response is in verse 17. So in Genesis 17, verse 17, it says, And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. So you can take that one or two ways. You can take that as God felt reverently and he chuckled. Or he had a good laugh. So whichever way you want to take it, all I know is if I fall on the ground and laugh, it's a good one. 
It's a, it's a knee slapper is what we used to say. God tells him, you're going to have a son, and he falls in, and he's like, Haha, that's a great joke, God. Good job with that one. He said, and he said to himself, shall a, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael. He's like, you know, that's a funny one. Good job. That's hilarious. I get it, God. You want to you want to establish your covenant with me, and it's going to be through Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And then God reiterates in verse 19, and he says, God said no. Uh, no. <laughs> it's a good idea, but no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Now, it's funny that, that the Lord told him to name him Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Isaac actually means the one who laughs. It means the one who rejoices, or it means he laughs. So, so, uh, so God says, you're going to have a son, and you're going to have an established covenant, and then uh, Abraham falls to the ground, knee slapper, that's hilarious, and he laughs. And God said, not only are you going to have a son through Abraham, you're going to name him, he laughs. <laughs> it was funny, and you're going to name him, he laughs. So that's kind of, that's very interesting, isn't it? Like, oh, you thought that was funny? Well, you're going to name him, he laughs. <laughs> it's very interesting, he does get the last laugh. So we see Abraham laughs. Let's continue on. He isn't the only one who thought that God was a prankster here. In Genesis chapter 18, the next chapter, three men come to Abraham again. They're in the tent. He's breaking bread with them and reminds them again. Says, hey, I just want to let you know that a year from now, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son. And Sarah, unbeknownst to her from the last chapter, because her, her uh, husband didn't tell her, is listening in on the tent and listening in on conversation. Hmm. We do that. <laughs> Pastor Joy said, we do that. <laughs> listening in on the conversation. And as she's listening in, she probably has her ear up, you know, to the tent wall. And she's listening in. And then so verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself and said, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So you have Abraham who laughs about the matter. You have Sarah who laughs about the matter. So they're all laughing and having a good time thinking that God is joking. And then God actually names Isaac. He laughs. Everyone's laughing, having a good old time. <laughs> but this is really interesting. Check this out. Let's actually read this. this is, I, read, I read this and I was like, that's interesting. Have you ever read something in the, in the Bible and said, man, that's interesting? Or why did it happen that way? I do that a lot, right? It's okay. It's okay to question, you know, why things happen the way they happen. And then with that questioning, you need to, you know, uh, there's always usually commentators. There's, com you know, there's, there's people that can maybe help bring some perspective, say perspective, bring some perspective on why it happened the way it happened. So let's actually read Genesis chapter 18 about how because I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Genesis 18, let's read a few verses here. 9 through 15, it says, so we're going to kind of read the whole story here. So they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. Not realizing she was in the tent with her ear to the side of the tent. She's listening in. Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. <laughs> now Sarah and Abraham were old, advancing years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. 
Basically, you know what God just said? Her well's dried up. Come on. She, she's passed. She done passed due. It is done. Right? She is like, <laughs> verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out. <laughs> I mean, she's 90 years old. She's like, I'm worn out, y'all. <laughs> this factory's done been closed <laughs> for a long time. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? It's interesting because she, even at 90, was like, wow, wouldn't that be awesome? How many people here in their 60s, if God was to tell you you're having a child, would you be happy about that? <laughs> right? Or, okay, or, or 40s or, or whatever. Okay, right? Right? Marlene, what the Lord says, you're going to have a son. You would not be too happy about that, would you, right now? You're like, man, I'm in advancing years. Kids grown. I'm living the good right now. <laughs> right? Sarah's like, that boat has sailed. <laughs> it's done. It's over. I'm not even thinking about that. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At that appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So pause for a minute here. This is right question. I'm like, wait, hold on. How come God had a rebuke for Sarah for laughing, but God didn't have a rebuke for to Abram for laughing. Here we go. I'm going to say perspective. Okay, check this out. This is perspective. Okay, check this out. This is just perspective. Okay? This is why, you know, you, it's good. It's good to search stuff and, and get other people's perspectives. So I read that. I'm like, that's not fair. Like, they both laughed. And she obviously lied because she was afraid. But she didn't get reprimanded before she lied. She lied after she got reprimanded. But then this is the thing. This is kind of like when I look at this, I'm like, this is the funny thing. Actually, this is Sarah's first time hearing this. It's her first time hearing this. Back in chapter 17, didn't God tell Abraham, you're going to have a son? And he laughed. So really, who was the one who really didn't believe? Because they did not tell their wife, hey, by the way, this is what God said. Actually, if you want to think about it in this perspective, I think it was Abraham who didn't believe. Because Abraham laughed, had a good chuckle, a good knee slapper, and then he said, oh, that you, would, that you would make your covenant with my son, this one over here. He was like, no, Sarah. Wouldn't you think that that information is vital to tell your wife? <laughs> Maybe it was Abraham. This, this could be perspective. Again, perspective. So Sarah laughs, right? He comes again, reiterates Sarah's laughs. What if it's not a rebuke to Sarah? What if this is actually a rebuke to Abraham? Listen to this. Just listen to it from another perspective. Okay, it says, the Lord said to Abraham. Okay, right, it says, okay, the Lord, right, right. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Maybe it's God saying, and like I said, this is just perspective. Maybe it's God saying, hey, how come you didn't tell her I told you this? We had this covenant. I shared this with you. Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I shall return to you. What if, what if this was not a rebuke for Sarah? What if it was actually a correction to Abraham for not believing? What if, what if it was God actually telling her? Because, okay, check this out. Listen to this. this, is, this and it's just another perspective. 
right? Like I said, perspective. And I'm saying this not just from my, you know, like there are, there are scholars and commentators who believe that this could be, the, because when you look at Scripture and you look at the relationship that God has with Sarah, listen to this, God is usually on Sarah's side. <laughs> There's times in the Scripture where God will tell Abram, listen to your wife. And every wife in here said, amen. <laughs> Did you read that scripture, husband? Listen to your wife. <laughs> we actually see quite frequently that actually God actually takes sides with Sarah. And so maybe because it was, it was Abraham that was the one that was having, you know, uh, he was having conversations with God. Maybe it was his responsibility to inform his wife. And this is why she was afraid, right? Well, you think, well, why was she afraid? Well, this is why she was afraid. Because really, to be honest, let's look at this. Let's look at it in Scripture. Maybe she was afraid because Abraham wasn't always the best at protecting his wife. He was more better at protecting himself. I mean, when you see this in Scripture, there's a lot of self-preservations where he's putting his wife out there. And so maybe he's afraid, maybe she's afraid because... <laughs> Because he's not the best at covering her. Maybe. I don't know. Same perspective. Something to think about, right? Yeah, Stuff to think about. Because I'm like, why is he so harsh with Sarah? Why did she get the rebuke? Maybe it wasn't for her. Maybe it was meant for him. And maybe she's afraid because she has been ousted a few different times. <laughs> this is my sister. <laughs> it's not my wife. Yeah. Perspective. All right. So, But we're not talking about these guys here. We just wanna, I just want to give you a little bit of kind of background here, because we're actually going to be going talking about Isaac. So that was Genesis 18 here. Let's kind of, we're going to do kind of like the speed version up to 26, to chapter 26. So in Genesis chapter 19, we see God rescues Lot. In Genesis chapter 20, we see Abraham and Abimelech. Abimelech is the king of the Philistines. They have a covenant. They have it at Beersheba. Say Beersheba. That place is important. Remember that. Okay, in Genesis chapter 21, Isaac is born. Isaac is born in chapter 21, and uh, in chapter 22, oh yeah, by the way, when Isaac is born, uh, it, it goes on and it says that, that she says um, that laugh, it was like, kind of like the giggle, chuckle, I'm going to have it, turns into this joy of laughter, Isaac. So maybe it was... A good joke at first, but then it became their joy. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, then Genesis chapter 22, the sacrifice of Isaac. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that God will promise you something and then ask you to put it on the altar? Are we willing to put our promises on the altar? Wow. Think of the thing that you hold most sacred. I think any time we place anything, I think the Lord will always ask us to put things on the altar. Because, because he says, in our love relationship with God, that everything else should look like hatred. Doesn't he say that in scripture? He says, if you don't hate your, your spouse and mother and sister and brother, then obviously we know it's not really hatred. But if your relationship with God is, is on the same par as your relationship with your spouse, that's dangerous. And I think the Lord will actually ask us to put things on the altar. Will you, will you give me your marriage? Will you give me your children? Will you give me your finances? 
Some of the things that are most sacred. I mean, he asked, Jesus asked the rich young ruler, give half your wealth. Give half of your possessions to the poor. Come follow me. Couldn't do it. So verse 20, or chapter 22, sacrifice of Isaac. Moving along here, next slide. Genesis chapter 23, Sarah dies at a good old ripe age of 137. Genesis chapter 24, Rebecca is found for Isaac. That whole chapter is interesting. It's, it's very interesting that there's a whole chapter that is completely given to the servants finding a wife for Isaac. It just goes to show us how important the details are for our father. A whole chapter. And it's, and it's, you know, remarkable, it's miraculous. You know, he asked that this happened this way and it happens that way. And the servant's blown away at the happening that way. Genesis chapter 25, Abraham lives another 38 years after his wife dies, right? He lives another 38 years, has more kids, and dies at a good old ripe age of 175. Do you know that? Do you know that after Sarah died, Abraham took another wife and had more kids? <laughs> Man, that dude was kind of gangster, but anyways, <laughs> wow. After he realized he could keep going, he just kept going. It's like, wow. I mean, he was up in his, you know, hundreds. It's crazy. So, brings us to the chapter we're going to talk about, Genesis chapter 26. And the title of this is the same title of my message, God's Promise to Isaac. If you look at that in your scripture, in your Bible, that's usually what it'll say up top. God's Promise to Isaac. So we're going to actually read and go into Genesis chapter 26. Are you ready to get into the word of the Lord with me? I know we've kind of been skimming, but we're actually going to read this chapter. I, I absolutely 100% believe with all of my heart and soul that when we come to church, we need to read the Bible together. We need to. Because there's, my words are, are insignificant, are insufficient, but God's word is powerful and authoritative and is living and active and it changes hearts and lives. And so we're going to get into his word here. We're going to start in Genesis. We're going to kind of, we're going to read and then kind of pause and read and pause. Are you guys good with that? All right, good. Genesis, because if you're not, we're doing it anyway. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 through 33. So in verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Paul's right there. And so here in Genesis chapter 1, it starts out with a famine that's parallel to his father Abraham. Isn't that interesting? Same trouble, same trial, same test. Say, same trouble, same trial, same test. For as much as we want to try to protect our kids from things, they will most likely have to fight some of the same struggles and trials and things that we fight. They're just going to have to. Verse 2, and the Lord appeared to him and said, do not, say, do not. Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Pause there for a minute. Pastor Joyce, she, she uh, was talking about Abraham last week and said how he went to Egypt. 
And God stopped him before he was going to do that. <laughs> now, this is the thing. It's very interesting to me that it's very easy for us to do the things that our father or our family or, or people that are close to us, the way they do things, the way that they handle things, it's very easy for us to handle it in the same manner. Yeah. Famine's in the land. Abraham went to Egypt. Isaac's like, famine in the land. My father went to Egypt. That's where I'm going. And God said, by the way, don't go to Egypt. <laughs> stopped him in his tracks. That's pretty cool. <laughs> right? What happened to Egypt? Right? He went to Egypt. He lied about his wife, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hold, pause there for a minute. Let's not do that. Verse 3, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you for you and for your offspring, and I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, let, so one more, let's read one more. Uh, verse five, it says, because Abraham obeyed the, uh, my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Pause there for a minute. So we see uh, in verse 3 through 5 that, that what God does is he reiterates his covenant promise. And he's telling him it's no longer just for your father. This promise and this covenant is for you as well. When you, have, when you have generations, you know, people that go to church, you have generations of people that have a Christian background or Christian faith, it absolutely has to be passed down. What has to be passed down isn't the traditions. What has to be passed down is the covenant. But all too often, we pass down the traditions, and those are great. I think every family needs to have traditions. I think every family needs to have things that they like say, this is what we do this because we love to do this together. But what needs to be established and what needs to be passed down isn't the way that we handled conflict, isn't the way that we handled this. It needs to be the covenant relationship with God. And we even see there in Scripture, there are times when even people will say, the God of my father. Meaning, he doesn't really have that relationship that his father had, but he wants it. I think it's amazing that God is meeting and talking with Isaac here. And just reiterating, hey, hey, all these promises that I gave to your father wasn't just for him. It's for you as well. And I just want to reiterate to you too. You know, you're, maybe, you're, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe, a maybe, you're the first, maybe you're the first Christian. There's a covenant promise that God is establishing and has established through Christ, for us, and for our generations. His word says, he says, to those who love me, a thousand generations. A thousand generations. Let's continue reading here. You guys still with me? We're going to read the word, verse 6 here. So Isaac settled in Gerar, where the men of this place asked him about his wife. Man, he must have had a good-looking hot chick as well. He said, she is my sister. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Lord, generational, my gosh. I'm telling you, I love what Pete Scazzaro says. He says, you might have Jesus in your heart, but you got 
What is it? What, how's it worded? But you got grandpa in your bones. <laughs> you might have Jesus in your heart, but you got grandpa in your bones, right? He's having a covenant relationship with God. God's establishing his everlasting covenant. But for some reason, there's some things that his father dealt with, that deception, that, those lies that he himself is dealing with. We call those what? Generational curses. I think God was trying to stop him from doing some of the same things, and he finds himself in Gerar, and he still does it. It's just, I mean, it's, it's such a curse to have a beautiful, gorgeous wife. I mean, <laughs> I should know. <laughs> so she obviously is a hot mama. And so <laughs> he said, she's my sister for fear to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca. So again, self-preservation. He's, gonna, he's lying saying, this is my sister, because if they find out this is my wife, they're going to kill me. They're going to take my wife. And don't think that that doesn't happen, because we do see that happen in Scripture, by a man of God named David. Right? He saw Bathsheba bat- bathing outside. Good Lord. <laughs> And he was like, that's mine. And he took her and killed her husband. So he's like, she's too hot for me. (laughs) And I don't want to die because she looks so good that they're going to want to be with her. So because she was attractive in appearance, I mean, that's an understatement. She was hot. Verse 8. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of his window and saw Isaac laughing with his wife. Okay, now, just to let you know, it wasn't like they're like, ha, 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 you know, like shoveling each other. It was, had to be sensual laughing and, and flirting and, you know what I mean? Like, like, you look at that and you're like, that's not your sister. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, he's looking out the window and he's seeing them laughing at a good time and he's like, mm, no go. <laughs> If that's your sister, there's a serious problem right now. (laughs) They're laughing and flirting and having a good old time, and he's like, nope, that's his wife. There's no way. He's not touching her and doing all that stuff. That is his wife. And so so Abimelech, right, he said, what is this you've done to us? Verse 10, one of the people might easily have laid with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. Verse 11, so Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Pause there for a minute. Isn't it interesting? Verse 8, busted. (laughs) It's your wife. It's not your sister. You try to fool us, but no, busted. And then it's interesting to me that in verse 10, that God would even use Abimelech to protect Isaac. The king of the Philistines. Later on, we see the Philistines and, the, and, and Israel have such odds at each other. They're killing each other. But in this portion, in this season, he's actually protecting him. That's very interesting. Say interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. And, okay, so then we go on to verse 12 here. Okay. Verse 12 says, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. But here, I want to... I'll pause here for a minute. This is what's interesting, and this could be for whatever it is. It's interesting that this, uh, when you go into verse, you go back to uh, verse 8, it says this. It says, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked at the window and saw blah, blah, blah. 
So he had been there for a while. But isn't it interesting that the blessing and the hundredfold increase doesn't come until truth was told? Isn't that interesting? When he fesses up about his wife, then Isaac sold that land and reaped a same year, hundredfold increase. The truth will set you free, brother, sister. The truth will set us free. Amen. Verse 13. We're going to read verse 13 through 16. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. Verse 14. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. He got so rich, they were like, ugh, look at him being all wealthy over there. They envied him. You know, that's what a lot of social media hate is. Do you know that? A lot of social media hate is just envy. They're envious. They're jealous of how people, how successful they are, maybe how good looking they are, maybe how blah, 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 blah. So when people hate on others, usually it has to do with themselves. Have you ever heard of this good old beautiful word called uh, projection? A lot of people do that. A lot of people look and will say to other people what they really look and think about themselves. And so they're all envious. They're all mad. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father had servants had dug in the land of his father Abraham. And that's what happens when you get envious, when you get jealous. You start doing stuff that's petty. Say petty. 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 Right? They were envious. They were jealous. And what did they start doing? They started filling in his wells. We'll get him. He ain't going to water his sheep no more. Start filling in his, his uh, wells that his father dug, dug. Continuing on here. Is this interesting? Yeah. Right? I mean, this is like, this could be on like a reality show here. Verse 16. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we are. Did I skip something? No, I didn't. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Verse 17. So Isaac departed from there. Okay, I got this part highlighted because I think it's really interesting here. Um, But before I go into, wait, pause for a minute. I want to just read uh, real quick. On verse 13 through 16, Isaac gets rich, Philistines get envy, is, those wells. Um, Sometimes, and you know, and you can, we can parallel this too, you know, and then, so Isaac departs from there. Sometimes the Lord will just close doors because it's time for us to go. Do you know that? Do you ever, have you ever noticed that if you're in a place where things are prosperous and things are going well, then things stop going well? Sometimes the Lord will allow that season to dry up because it's time to either do something new, to move somewhere else, to do something, uh, to go, you know, to move. Because we get very comfortable, right? I get comfortable. If things are going well, I, I'm going to just stay there. I'm going to rest there. I'm going to plant vineyards there. I'm going to set up my hammock there, like, like, we're, like we're staying, we're not moving, this is good. And sometimes the Lord will close doors because it's time for us to move, so right? So I look at that as, you know, they got envious, they got jealous, they started blocking his wells. The Lord was allowing those doors, closing those doors, being under Abimelech and all this other stuff, so that he departed. Verse 17, here we go. Keep on cruising here, guys. Verse 17, you still with me? Yes. We're halfway there. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of his father, of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And pause there, and I have that whole 
heart highlighted for reason. This is the thing, friends. We may need to work on and build upon that which was passed to us. Let me say that again. We may need to build. You may need to work with what has been passed on to you. And we may have to work against the enemy to get refreshing again. It's interesting that he had to dig up the wells his dad already put the hard work into. And, you know, I think that's for many of us. You know, many of us, we, 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 we want to make things easier for others, right? Seriously, like, like who in here wants to make things harder for others, right? I mean, I mean if you're uh, uh, a person who is a manager, I mean, you, you want to do your, or if you're a parent, you want to do your best to make things easier for those under you. So, so Abraham did all this work, hopefully, to kind of, you know, open the doors for it to be easier for Isaac, but Isaac still had to work hard. He still had to work hard. And so some of us, we may find ourselves like, man, why is it still so hard? Because you know what? The enemy is working against us. The enemy is always going to be working against you until you are with Christ in glory with your glorified body. The enemy is against you. And he's relentless and he does not stop. So you can never stop fighting. Look at your neighbor Say, never stop, fighting. never stop fighting. Never stop fighting. Never stop fighting. Keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. Your spouse, your kids. No, keep on fighting the enemy. <laughs> your kids aren't the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. There's one enemy of your souls who's fighting. It's fighting for your sanity, it's fighting to give you depression all that stuff, right? So never stop fighting against him. Keep your guard up, okay? Verse 19 here. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found that there was a well of spring water, uh, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac. Because they contended with him. Verse 21. And they dug another well. And they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sithna. And he moved from there and digged another well. Sometimes it's not easy, friends. The Lord said, stay here. Soldier in here. This is where I've called you. Was it easy? Uh, no, it was not easy. Was he blessed? Absolutely. He was wealthy. But look at the struggle. Look at the struggle. Fighting and quarreling and afraid for his life. So finally, this third one here, verse 22, he moved from there, dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. Thank God, finally. Breakthrough. Have you ever had that time? It's like you're going, you know, sowing, 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 sowing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Man, why am I getting all this resistance then? Boom, breakthrough. It's like, woo. Ah, finally, it was worth it. And they did not quarrel over it, so he called the name uh, Radaboth. <laughs> Rodaboth, Rihadaboth, R- 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 something. <laughs> Should have practiced that one. <laughs> Saying, uh, I mean, Rehoboth. 
saying, from now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land. I should have highlighted that. We were just singing earlier today. I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Here's Isaac Heaven, a revelation saying, the Lord has made room for us. Beautiful. Verse 23, from there he went up to Beersheba. Say Beersheba. No, you got to say it like this. Say Beersheba. Beersheba. Verse 24, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for your servant Abraham's sake. So we got verse 19. Pause there for a minute. We got verse 19 through 20. They're quarreling over wells. Verse 23 through 25, God is actually uh, meeting with him again. And here, let's read here in verse 25. It says, so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And their Isaac's servant dug a well. Let me say here. He built an altar there and pitched his tent. Friends, when we have places where we meet with God, we need to make those places memorials. We need to make those places places of remembrance. Because all too often do we forget. I can think of uh, times at the South Toledo campus where I met with God, what spot I was at when God spoke. This is the thing, friends. We want to make this place a, re- a memorial, a remembrance, a place where people meet with God. Come on, say amen. 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 The people will even say, remember, remember when we was over there on Noward Road? We were back there. It was hard to find behind all them trees, but man, God showed up. Remember that place? It's in this little tiny building, used to be a barn. But man, we met with God there. That's our heart, friends. Verse 26. So, pitches a tent, digs a well. Verse 26. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with, yeah, these guys, the advisor and the commander. (laughs) Verse 27. Isaac said to them, why have you come to me? seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you. (laughs) I just think it's funny the way he says that. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds a little whiny, but it's okay. Um, Verse 28, I ain't got nothing to say. Uh, (laughs) They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. Friends, I'm telling you, when the hand of the Lord is upon your life, people will see it. When the hand of the Lord is on your life, people will see it. Verse 28, they said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. And we said, let there be a sworn pact between us and between you and us. And let us make a covenant with you. Say covenant. Verse 29, that you will not do harm. Excuse me. That you will do us no harm. Just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good. And have sent you away in peace. They could have, they could have absolutely, they could have overtaken Isaac. They could have stole all of stuff. They didn't do any of that stuff, right? You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he has made, so he made them a feast. They ate and drank, verse 31. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. Say oaths. It's a fun word, isn't it? Oaths. 
like just the way it kind of goes off your tongue. Oh, th- it's like it's like it's like your your mouth does like an O and a th and a s. So it's just kind of fun. <laughs> it's like what is wrong with this guy? What did he have? Just one coffee. He's an hour uh, less of sleep, and so he's a little bit more giddy. Um, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told them about the well that they had dug and said to them, we have found water. He called it Shabaha, Shabiha, however you want to say it. Shabaya, Shabiya, Shabaya, Shabaha. Um, Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. And you know that it is actually to this day, to this day. There is a city named Beersheba in Israel. Still that place. Thousands of years later. Isn't that very interesting? So kind of take a step back here. We kind of see in verse 23 through 25, we see that that Isaac is making a memorial. He's making a remembrance because God's meeting with him. We see through verse 26 through 31 that the people, they see how powerful and how wealthy Isaac has become. And they want to make a covenant. They want to make a pact. They want to make an oath with Isaac. And so they actually, we see in verse 31, they actually exchange an oath. That's the word it uses in the scripture. And an oath is basically a solemn promise, uh, often invoking a divine witness uh, regarding one's future actions or behavior. And it's interesting because if you go and you look in the Noah Webster 1828, go to the next slide for me, Jordan, please. If you actually go to uh, the Noah Webster 1828, when it's talking about oath, it actually says this, it adds this, it says, the person invokes the vengeance of God if he should fail to fulfill it. So when you're making an oath, when you're making a pact, when you're making a covenant to that person, uh, Noah uh, Webster in 1828 added this thing that said that, that when you're saying, I do this before God, what you're even saying is, and if I don't fulfill it, may the wrath of God come upon my life. Have you ever said that to someone? Have you, ever, have you ever signed in a lease agreement for your car saying, if I don't pay this, may the wrath of God? No. <laughs> have you ever signed that credit card agreement? If I don't pay this, the wrath of God? No. But there was, there was, there was something about, about having this solemn promise for them that they made this pact that, that if, if, if I break this covenant, if I break this pact, that I'm putting myself in danger of God's vengeance. It's very interesting. That's why the scripture says, don't swear. (laughs) Just let your yes be yes and your no be no, because when you swear, (laughs) you're invoking whatever you're swearing to be upon you. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I always tell my kids when they're like, do you promise? I'm like, no, my yes is my yes, my no is no, and usually it's no. So anyways... (laughs) <laughs> just kidding they get sometimes what they want in our house um, when they, ask mom. they ask mom they get it 100% <laughs> ask mom 100% of the time dad about 37% of the time <laughs> ask grandma 100% of the time okay so what some things we want to learn from Isaac here as we're closing up here okay God meets with Isaac multiple times and why does God meet with Isaac friends number one he meets with Isaac for instruction Friends, when God meets with us, a lot of times he wants to meet with us for instruction. For the word of God, what is it for? It's for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteousness. 
And so, friends, when, when we're meeting with God, when God is wanting to, to meet with us, he wants to instruct us. So there obviously wasn't no law written yet because, because at the time Moses was not born. Moses didn't go and get the, uh, the, you know, the, the commandments from Mount Sinai. So God is establishing a covenant with Isaac, and he's meeting with him to instruct him, hey, by the way, don't go here, go here, stay here, do this, do that. My covenant is with you. And so when God meets with us, he wants to meet with us for instruction. Anytime there's been any major moves in my life, I'm like, God, what? I want to do it your way. I don't want to do it my way. My way sucks. My way usually is failure. Your way isn't failure. Because the Lord says, you know, that you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. Is that in everything you do? No. If you do what? Obey the law. Obey the words that I've commanded. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Right? Hide that word in our hearts. Then you will be prosperous and successful in all that you do. So God meets with Isaac. God meets with us for instruction. He wants to instruct. There's a, a, a cool song we used to sing back in the early 2000s. And it uh, kind of went like, we, I remember it was probably back when we were teen, teen pastors. Uh, the song goes like, where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. You know? So number one. <laughs> so, so God, so God, <laughs> I know they were sucking their thumbs singing that song. Uh, so God meets for instruction. Number two, friends, God meets with Isaac and he meets with us also to remind us of promise. He met with Isaac for a reminder of the promise. By the way, this promise was not just for your father. This promise is for you. And so, friends, when God meets with us, he wants to remind us, my promise is with you. My covenant is with you. I am for you. I am with you. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. When we meet with God, when we come together, when we join together, when we sing songs, when we pray together, and then, and then you feel the presence of the Lord or you sense the nearness of God, it's to him reminding you of the promise that he made with you, for you on the cross. Reminder of the promise, my covenant. My covenant was with Abraham, and now it's with Isaac. And then we're going to read about how it's with Jacob. And then Jesus made the amazing ultimate covenant for all people. It's interesting that God meets with Isaac in multiple places in chapter 26. What's even more interesting is that we see Isaac meet Abraham in the very same spot where Abraham met God. I didn't put it up there, but there's this cool little place called, I had you guys say it a few times, Beersheba. And if you go back and you read uh, at your own time, Genesis chapter 21, God is meeting with Abraham at this place called Beersheba. And he's building an altar and he's meeting with God, and God's establishing his covenant. And then we see in Genesis chapter 26, verse 23 through 33, that God is meeting Isaac in this place called Beersheba. There's something about having a space for God. There's something about having a place where people meet 
with God. I don't know why, and I'm not all mystical about it, but all I know is when there is a spot, when there is a spot that we've said, this is where we're going to meet with God, God honors that, and he meets with us there. For example, at our South Sudo campus, there, we have this big, huge building. It was a Masonic temple, right? There was all kinds of crazy stuff happening in that building. Not just cool little dances in the, in the uh, basement. Not just cool little swirries, right? We're talking about cultic, crazy, weirdo stuff. It was a Mason building. You don't know what Masons do? Go look it up. Go get weirded out. But we have taken that building and we said, this space is for God. And do you know what's happened? Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people have met with God in that space. We said, this space is for you. It's one of the reasons why we're, gonna, why we're interested in purchasing this property. Because we're like, this space we want for the Lord. This is the space that we want to meet with God. So friends, my last little point you can put up there is, friends, we need to cre create space where we meet with God and make it available for others to meet with God there too. If you got a place where you meet with God, invite people to that place. That's what we want to do. We want this property to be a space. We create room for God where others meet with God. And so, friends, that's my, that's my encouragement. That's my challenge, friends. Will you create space in your life to meet with God? And will you make that a space available for others to meet with him as well? Could you bow your heads with me today? And when we say, like, make space, we're not talking about physical space. We're talking about spiritual space. <laughs> so right now, right where you're sitting, you might have somebody sitting exactly right next to you. That space where you're at right now, you can meet with God. So Lord, we do, God, we come before you today. And when we're reading about the covenant, we're reading about the patriarchs, we're reading about Abraham, Isaac, we're going to read about Jacob, we're going to read about all that stuff. We see that you were so willing you wanted to recreate the garden experience to have a covenant relationship with your people. And God, we thank you that today, today, through the blood of Jesus, you've made access granted that we can have covenant relationship with you. And so friends, I don't know how strong your faith is. It really doesn't matter to me. All I want, all I know, and all I when I ask you today is, would you consider creating and establishing a covenant with your father today? Maybe you already have. Maybe you've said, God, I'm yours. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've created that space. But we've seen in Genesis 26, God met with Isaac over and over again, reestablishing that covenant, reestablishing instruction. So today, God, maybe it's our first time we're going to say, Maybe we're tuning in online. Maybe we're sitting here today and we're saying, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to establish a covenant relationship with God. 
He's binding himself to me and I'm going to bind myself to my God. He's purchased me. He's paid it all for me. He poured out his Holy Spirit for me. And all the benefits of heaven and all the benefits of, of living for Christ, I have full access to. But I know that there's sacrifice and cost involved. Or I got to say no to my sinful nature. And I got to say no to things in my life. And I got to say no to things that I know in your word it says. Because the Lord has provided the Holy Spirit to empower you with the grace that would give you the strength to hold up your end of the deal. And thank you for that grace. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into this room. Lord, would you flood the gates? God, would you flood open, fresh and anew? God, your word says in Acts chapter uh, uh, 4, uh, God, that, or, uh, yeah, that times of refreshing would come upon us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you just reiterate and reestablish that covenant relationship that Christ paid for, for us, even today, in the name of Jesus. That, God, you want to establish an everlasting covenant with us, Lord. Not just for us to live with you in eternity forever, but, God, there are blessings here and now that, God, that you want to pour out. God, that you want to richly bless our lives with. And, Lord, it's not about that. It's just about knowing you and knowing the Father and having an intimate, personal relationship with you. And all the benefits of our Father come with it. Your word says that, that in the spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And in the fullness of the spirit, there's the fullness of joy. So Lord, we thank you, God, for releasing, God, the, the things of the spirit that would come upon the lives of your sons and daughters who choose to establish covenant with you today. And Lord, we don't take this lightly. And Lord, we don't believe uh, God, uh, uh, easy believism. God, say a prayer and life is peachy. We know that your word says that in this world we'll have tribulations. It's, it gets tough. But we don't have to do it alone. Holy Spirit, you fill us. You establish us in a body of believers who can pray with us. And you uphold us with your righteous right arm. And the arm of the Lord is not too short. So we want to say thank you. Just for one more moment, friends, just tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. And if you're struggling here today, just say, Lord, again, just, just again, just keep coming before him. Say, Lord, wash my sins away. Break these strongholds off my life. Give me a sound mind, God. Let your word richly dwell in my heart. Help me to memorize your word, God, that, that I might not sin against you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Take this blessing. Take it. Just get it. May the Lord bless you and keep you.
May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. May he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.